What are you wearing? I know what I'm wearing. Anyway, God bless you. Thank you for having me here this morning. Uh, Looking forward to uh, sharing with you what God has placed on my heart. But let's take a moment just to pray. Lord Jesus, we just turn this time over to you, Father, that you would uh, anoint, that you would touch these words, Father, that you would give them life. Father God, you would uh, uh, comfort us, console us, confront us, Lord. Do whatever it takes, Lord, to make us more like you. And we'll give you the praise and the glory for it all. In Jesus' name, amen. You know what? When I was growing up, I was always taught to dress for success. You know, whenever you go for an interview, it's important to be dressed properly so that you'll be viewed in the best light. And uh, when I first started teaching high school, I was a high school band director for 10 years. I I was uh, just 21 years old, and I wanted to look older, so I grew a beard so that I would look older than the rest of the students. And I I wore a suit and tie and uh, every day uh, because that was what I felt was uh, expected of me as the new band director. When I taught in our church's Christian school, I wore the uniform of the day, black pants, a white shirt, and a red, white, and blue accelerated Christian education tie. And so that was very important for me to wear the right thing. When I started substitute teaching in junior and senior high school, I wore a tie and a suit uh, almost every day. And that seemed to ensure at that time, that was quite a few years ago, that, that uh, discipline was taken care of. And, uh, you know, they thought I was one of the suits from downtown or something like that. So, uh, but that helped. And when I became a pastor, I determined that I wanted to show the office of pastor uh, uh, respect. And so I've always worn a suit and tie. Uh, That's why I continue to do that. I know it's been supposed to be very casual around here. Doug uh, preaches in a, a shirt and no tie and stuff like that. But you'll notice every time I come up here, I still have that within me that says, you know, I want to be dressed properly. I want to have something that shows that respect. Uh, when I, I also work in a, or not work, but I play in a community band. And whenever we have our concerts, we wear tuxedos. And so it's very important that that shows the level of, of musicianship of, of the people in that group. And so we, we wear a community uh, uh, band shirt at other times, but uh, it's important to have the right kind of clothing on. Last Sunday, uh, Pastor Doug reminded us that we have free will. Amen. We know that, right? And that uh, we must make the proper choices. He said, success is always in our grasp because we have liberty from the tyranny of sin. Amen. We have liberty from the tyranny of sin. And so as a believer in Christ, one of the choices that we need to make, I think, is what are you supposed to be wearing? And I want to share three scriptures with you today that talk about the wardrobe, what our wardrobe should be and when we face certain times of our Christian life. And the first part of our wardrobe is the garment of praise found in Isaiah 61, 3. So the first one, the garment of praise. Isaiah 61, 3 in the King James Version, I... You know, I'm old, so I memorized a lot of things from King James Version. But this is what it sounds like. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, 
to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Amen? There's an old chorus based on that text, and it goes like this. Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Let, uh, wait a minute. Lift up your voice to God. Praise with the spirit and with understanding. Oh, magnify the Lord. And I started too high on that, but <laughs> wow. Anyway, that's the song that comes from this verse. Put on the garment of praise. Isaiah's text reminds us that when the heaviness of the world weighs you down, is there any time that you feel heaviness from the world weighing you down? And I, yeah, we do, don't we? Heaviness from the world weighs you down. He says that you need to put on the garment of praise. When the sorrows and pains are multiplied, we put on the garment of praise. Take time to count your many blessings. Name them one by one. Amen? Then when you feel the spirit of heaviness come upon you, you need to choose to sing praises to the Lord. Not just wallow in that heaviness, but choose to sing praises to the Lord. My wife and I always listen to contemporary Christian music. We've got it on K-Love or KSGN or K-Lord, and we're, we're listening to it all the time. When we wake up in the morning, there's always a song that's, that's singing in our, in our heads as we wake up in the morning because it's just being ingrained in us over and over. A few weeks ago, we, we took our grandson Jonathan and his friend uh, Noah to Fish Fest, I don't know if you know what that is, but it's a big music festival. They had Central Live, Bethel Music, Ryan Ellis, Torin Wells, and Jeremy Camp uh, filled in at the last minute. And it was awesome. It was down in Irvine Meadows, and there's 9,000 people outside lifting their hands, praising the Lord for about six or seven hours straight, one band after another, and we're just worshiping the Lord. But for me, the blessing was to see Jonathan and Noah doing the same thing for seven hours, you know, praising the Lord. And uh, it, was, it was wonderful. It was uh, worship. This morning, we were able to worship together, you know, and, and come to the very throne of grace. That last song was just beautiful. I, I, I could feel God is coming back. Amen? God is coming back for us. He's, he's waiting for us, and he's waiting for that time. And I challenge you to praise the Lord more every day, not just on Sunday, but music can lift our hearts to the height of glory. The Sunday after the Fish Fest, my wife and I went to a, a wedding, and then we also had a, a flute recital put on by Redlands uh, Symphony to attend that day. And after four hours of being in the outdoor wedding and area and reception, we almost chose to skip the recital. But we, we were so blessed by the music of, of uh, the flute music and the piano player from France came over. It just rejuvenated us and revitalized us 
because we took the time to allow that music to praise us. Refreshed, that was the other word. Thank you, Mary Beth. We need to put on the garment of praise daily to allow God's Holy Spirit to uplift us and minister to us when we're in the spirit of heaviness. Amen? And, and also from that passage, it says, uh, he will comfort, he will heal, he will deliver those who mourn and who bring their sorrows to Zion. When we bring our sorrows to the throne of grace, God says he will comfort us, he will heal us, he will deliver us. Christ gives us by his Holy Spirit those consolations which not only support them under their sorrows, but turn them into songs of praise. He gives us beauty for ashes. He turns our sorrows into joy. The oil of joy, the oil of gladness, makes our faces shine instead of being disfigured by mourning. He gives us open joy for our secret mournings. When the spirit of heaviness oppresses, what should you put on? The garment of praise, amen? Put on praise. Take time to praise him. The next scripture uh, talks about the wardrobe that God has picked out for you. The wardrobe that God has picked out for you is, can be found in Colossians 3, 12 through 14. And, and I'm reading it from the message instead of uh, the... Um, New American Standard. Anyway, I'm reading it from the message. It says this. So, chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly, as completely as the master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Put on the wardrobe that God has picked out for us. He's picked out for us things that we need to, and when we get up in the morning and we decide what we're going to wear, we need to decide what are we going to wear out of these garments that God has picked out for us. Um, You can tell that I probably don't pick out my own clothing. My wife picks out for me, and she color coordinates us when we come to church. You know, look for it. It's not me. It's her. Um, but I always do that because I look better when I do that. Well, you're going to look better when you do and wear the outfit that God picked out for you too. You just need to trust him and, and make sure that you take time to put on those. These are the essentials, you know. And it says put on. The, 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 the verb there for put on it means it's in the imperative tense. And that means it's a command. It's not optional. Although we do have free will, and we always have to make a choice. We have to make that choice. But God wants us to do it. He wants us to put on, first of all, compassion. And in the old King James, it says the bowels of compassion. And in the New American Standard, it says the heart 
of compassion. Back then, the bowels and the heart were considered the seat of your emotions, of your emotional well-being. And so it was something that we're not to just put on an emotional manifestation of tender feelings, but it must also reflect action. It's something you do. Compassion isn't just something you think about and feel. It's something you need to do. Amen? You know, Compassion International, we heard about that at Fish Fest. That's one of the great opportunities to give to children around the world. It's something you do. It's not just something that you think about and think, oh, that would be a good thing to do. It's something you need to put into action. Compassion for others is revealed by our good deeds. And every day, put on compassion. Put on kindness. Kindness is a friendly and helpful spirit which seeks to meet the needs of others. I remember Robert Schuller down at the Crystal Cathedral used to say, uh, find a need and fill it. Great. Very simple. Find a need and fill it. That's kindness. Uh, look for ways to put your compassion and kindness into action. Corey Tenboom said, no one becomes poorer by giving. Amen? No one becomes poorer by giving. And Rabbi Steve Leader says this, we are to privilege another person's soul and needs and dreams above our own. Privilege them. Put them above you. That's kindness in action. You know, one of the ways our grace group shows compassion is by delivering food boxes for the Riverside City Mission once a month. Um, you know, David and Manny and I go out and we pick up all the boxes of food from the Riverside City Mission and all throughout Moreno Valley. We'll drop them off at different places, pray with people, uh, love them. And we get loved back in, in response too. But we need to put our compassion and our kindness into action. And then it says, put on humility. It's seen in lowliness of thinking, a humbleness of mind, an attitude that recognizes our own weaknesses, but also recognizes God's power. God is the one who has the power. Put on quiet strength, gentleness or meekness is what it talks about. It, this is an obedient submissiveness to God's will. It's unwavering faith and enduring patience, which displays itself in a gentle attitude and kind acts towards others and often in the face of opposition. It is the restrained and obedient powers of personality brought into subjection and submission to God's will by the Holy Spirit. We need to wake up and we need to submit ourselves to God's will. We need to have, be meek. We need to be gentle. We need to have quiet strength. We need to put all of those things into God's hands so that he can use us. He can minister through us. <clears throat> Long-suffering and patience. A long holding out of the mind in bearing injustice or unpleasant circumstances without revenge or retaliation, but with a view or hope for the final goal or betterment. Our attitude needs to reflect Jesus to the world. We need to have that kind of a mind that doesn't hold a grudge, 
that bears injustice and unpleasant circumstances and still reaches out in love and does the things that needs to be done. Bearing one another and forgiving. (laughs) Forgiving one another. Now we're stepping on toes, aren't we? Forgiving. We're to be content with second place. I like the way they put that. Content with second place and quick to forgive because the Lord has borne our sins and forgiven us. Amen? We have been forgiven much and so we need to bear one another's sins and we need to forgive one another. We need to put that into practice day by day. That's what we need to wear. And then above all, he says, put on love. Agape. Agape love, that, that's not self-seeking love. It's, it's not something that's looking out for its own, but it's, it's, it's love in action. Love is something you do. Love is something you do. On our Daily Bread this week, the author uh, Jenny Albers advises, when someone is broken, don't try to fix them. You can't. When someone is hurting, don't attempt to take away their pain. You can't. Instead, love them by walking beside them in the hurt. You can. Because sometimes what people need is simply to know that they aren't alone. We need to come alongside people and love them all the time. I, I, I love to go across the street to my neighbor's house. He's outside doing stuff in the yard and, and he'll wave at me and I'll go over there and we just start talking about what's going on in our lives. Loving one another. I'm loving him, but he's loving me. I get all these lemons from him. He's got this big lemon tree in the back. But, you know, we, we need to love people. There's a new song out by the group called Unspoken. It says, love is everything you need. And one of the verses in there, it says, real love is giving our lives for somebody else. You know, what, is, what do we say here at Grace Fellowship? Love God, love people, change the world. That's what love is. That's what it means to put on love every day, to wear it as a garment We need to put that on every day. When you're getting dressed in the morning, think about what the wardrobe that God wants you to wear that day. And those are the kinds of things that he wants you to be doing. Amen? And finally, the last uh, thing is in the battle. Anybody ever been in a battle? (laughs) In the battle, we're to wear the full armor of God. Amen? And in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through um, 18, that's what we're, what we're going to be looking at. We're living in perilous times. Pandemics, famine, war, violence. That's all we seem to hear about when we listen to the news, isn't it? That's all that's there. I believe that the Bible reveals to us, though, that it's going to get even worse. Isn't that encouraging? It's going to get worse. It's not going to get better. Before Jesus comes back, times are going to become even more difficult for you and I. 
The closer we stand to the truth of the word of God, the more difficulties we're going to face. Battles are coming. Persecution is coming. And we need to be ready for the persecution by testing and proving God's armor. We need to put it on. Remember David and Goliath, the story there? Saul said, here, take my armor. And David said, no, I've not tested that or proved it. I I don't know how to do that, but I do know how to use a sling and a rock. And I can do great things with what I already know how to do. And he slew the Goliath. You know, after that, though, David did get some armor. He did put on some armor, very much like Saul's. And he was out in the battle with his full armor on. And he had victory after victory after victory over uh, the, the enemies of the people, the children of Israel. So David was a mighty warrior. He, it says he spilled a lot of blood. That's why Solomon had to build the temple and not David. Uh, so he, he was a man that knew what armor was all about. But it was after he tested it and he proved it that he did that. You know, we need to try it out. We need to test it. We need to put it on. You know, like a fireman. A fireman prepares for a fire. He's got all his gear ready to go. He just jumps into it, pulls it up, down the ladder, and he's ready to go. That's the way we need to be with the armor of God. It needs to be so familiar. It needs to become, it only, uh, you can only put it on quickly because it's familiar. It's something you know. And so this is God's admonition for you and for me as we come to face the battle. So let's read that in Ephesians chapter 6, starting with verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith, with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. The armor of God. And what I want to do is just go through each one of those parts of of the armor of God so that we can become familiar with it. We need to test it and try it. You need to take time to, to know what those things are so that you can put them on when the battle comes. Finally, for the remaining, this is the summation of his letter. We are to be strengthened in the Lord. God's latent power has been provided to every believer. It is the Lord's strength, amen? We don't fight in our own strength. We fight in the Lord's strength. And that's what he says. We need to be strong in the Lord, in the strength of his might. 
And verse 11 says, in order to activate that power, we must put on. And again, that word for put on is in an imperative tense, just like it was for the other one. We need to put it on. It's a command. It's not optional. We need to put it on so that he provides. And this armor, it is splendid. You have to think the, the Roman army back in those days had a splendid armory. Armor. It had a shield, it had a sword, it had helmet, it had a lance, it had greaves, that's the stuff covering the shins. It had a breastplate worn by the Roman soldiers. And when we wear the, the armor that God has provided for us, we will be able to stand. You will be able to stand. You're not going to fall. You're going to be able to stand if we have that on. We'll be able to take over a watch post. We're going to be able to hold a critical position in the battlefield. We'll be able to stand against the wiles, the craftiness, and the scheming of the devil. Are you familiar with the wiles and craftiness and scheminess of the devil? Yes, we are. He is always on the prowl, looking for who he can devour. Amen? And he's very, very crafty. Verse 12, it says, our struggle, literally our wrestling. And and you got to think of two uh, hand-to-hand combat wrestlers characterized by trickery, cunningness, and strategy. This is spiritual warfare. And it's not against the world we see. Corrupt and wicked as our world is, but it's against the world we cannot see. Demonic activity in the heavenly realms. You know, one of Satan's most effective strategies is the delusion in our own mind that there really is no seriously threatening conflict between good and evil raging in the invisible and supernatural world. There is a battle, amen? There is a battle going on between the forces of darkness and the forces of light. God is winning. God will win. But the enemy continues to fight that craftily, cunningly, with strategy. It's raging. And John MacArthur says of this passage, we're not called to fight in the supernatural realm. Rather, we are to stand. That's what it says. Stand firm. Stand firm. Report to God through prayer over what we see so that he can fight the battle. That's our job, to stand firm. We don't have to go out and battle it ourselves. You're going to fail because only God can defeat the enemy. It's, it's not in our power. And so that's, that's part of what he's saying. I will provide the armor for you. I will provide the victory. I will provide the way to stand in the midst of those things. And then verse 13, he starts to get a little more um, uh, technical. He says, take up the armor. Not put on, but take up. And this is a military technical term that describes the last preparation and final step necessary before actual battle began. Before you go out into the field of battle, you strap it all on. You put everything, you make sure everything is ready to go. Whenever you go into battle, you've got to have your gear together. You know, if you've been in the military, you know that you've got to have your gear together. You've got to have 
ammunition. You've got to have everything ready. Well, that's what he's saying. Take up the armor. Do the last minute things. Imperative tense again. So it's a command. It's something we are to do. And having done everything, now we are to resist and to stand. And then he gets to the specific parts of the, of the armor. Having your loins girded with the truth. You know, the, the Roman soldier wore one of three different belts around his midsection and his loin section that would protect him from uh, arrows, from swords, from anything that was, was going to happen. So he had those wide belts around him. And it represents the truth of God's words. It includes an attitude of truthlessness, truthfulness, self-discipline of total commitment, and being renewed in your mind daily. The Word of God renews our mind daily. We need to have that on to protect ourselves, to protect our most vulnerable parts of our body. And he says to um, put on the breastplate of righteousness. This breastplate was usually made out of metal or scale or even chain mail. And it's protected the, the soldier's vital organs between the shoulders and the loins. So this was another kind of protection. Uh, and it's, not, it's, a, it's the breastplate of righteousness. Not self-righteousness. Right? Amen? No one is righteous. We are, Doug's been telling us, hasn't he? He's been telling us we are not righteous. And so it's not self-righteousness, but it's not just imputed righteousness alone, but it's righteousness that reveals itself in a practical righteousness of a life lived in obedience to God's words. Holy living. That's the kind of righteousness that will protect you. You need to be working on that. You need to be putting it on every day so that you are living in a righteous manner. You're holy before the Lord, holy living. God's word in our minds is essential for protecting us from the enemy. Daily righteous living in obedience to his word is critical to our being able to stand. We need to do that. And then in verse 15, he says to shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We need to strap on sturdy shoes. Without solid footwear, we will stumble and we will fall. It's the preparation of the gospel of peace. We stand in the confidence of God's peace. His love for us, his union with us, his commitment to fight for us, it keeps us from falling. And the shield that he talks about next is, is not uh, the Captain America round shield that you know, we're, we're familiar with in the, in the movies, but it's the big shield that's about this tall that went in front of the whole army. And it, it was usually covered with, with a leather that had been soaked in water so that it would quench any fiery arrows that were thrown at it. And they were right in front of the, the first line of the, of the battle. That's the kind of shield that God has for you. And he says to uh, take up the shield of faith so that you will be able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. You ever have any flaming arrows of the evil one pointed at you? If you want to get rid of them, take up the shield of faith. 
and it will, uh, it will stop them. And finally, he talks about the, the helmet. It was usually bronze with cheek pieces to protect the head from slashing swords of the enemy. And uh, John MacArthur says that Satan's blows are directed at the believer's security and assurance. Satan wants you not to feel secure in him, in God. He wants you not to be assured of your salvation. So he's, he's slashing away at that all the time. The two dangerous edges of Satan's broadsword are discouragement and doubt. And the test, test of a believer's character is what it takes to stop him. And finally, it says the helmet of salvation. Our salvation includes our past justification, our present sanctification, and our future glorification. It provides a hope that gives us assurance and confidence that our present struggles will not last forever and we will be victorious in the end. Our sword is the word of God, the Bible that offers limitless resources and blessings. Amen? The Bible is the source of truth, the source of happiness, the source of spiritual growth, the source of power, the source of guidance, the source of comfort, the source of perfection, and the source of victory over Satan. And the sword is both defensive and offensive. Uh, it's, you've heard this, study to show yourself approved, a workman that rightly divides the word of God. 2 Timothy 2.15 that's what we need to do. We need to study the word of God so that we can wield the sword faithfully. That we can use the word of God in every situation. And finally, in verse 18, the first part there says, pray in the spirit. It enables us to report to God what our situation is and to request backup. We're to pray at all times in order to keep in constant contact with headquarters. One of the things that loses battles on the battlefield is the loss of communication. When you lose communication with headquarters, the people don't know what to do. And so it's very essential that we know what to do. We need to keep in contact with God so that he can move us where we'll be, we're going to be the most effective. Amen? And God has been doing that. He's moving people from here and there and, and so that they can be the most effective. You know, the Apostle Paul explained how each of us who believe in Jesus will inevitably uh, encounter our own fierce struggles. Those places where we're going to feel overwhelmed and are tempted to surrender. Instead, he says, take your stand against the devil's schemes. Stand firm. Rather than cower in fear or crumble as we recognize our weakness and vulnerability, Paul challenges us to step forward in faith, remembering that we don't rely on our own courage and strength, but on God. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. In the challenges we face is only a prayer away. We're called to put on and take up the full armor of God when the battle rages. What are you wearing? Test it. Prove it. Test it out. Start putting that into practice every day.
As we begin to dress the way God has provided, as we put on the garment of praise, as we put on the wardrobe that God has picked out for us, as we test and prove the full armor of God, we need to ask ourselves, are you ready for Christ's return? I love the song we sang at the end. Are you ready for Christ's return? Franklin Graham in the latest Decision Magazine had this to say about waiting for Jesus' return. So while we hear growing or renewed threats of nuclear war or the possibility of another cold war or the chance of another plague like COVID descending on the globe, the real focus of every believer in every age should be living for Christ and expectantly hoping for his second coming. Amen? Titus 2, 11 and 13 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, putting on what God has called for us to wear, putting on those things, we should live sober, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's another song. You know, I always got to put in a few songs, right? This is the next one. So uh, Phil Wickham has a song called Hymn of Praise. And this is what he says. It's talking about the second coming of Christ. How I long to breathe the air of heaven where pain is gone and mercy fills the streets to look upon the one who bled to save me and walk with him for all eternity. Every prayer we prayed in desperation, the songs of faith we sang through doubt and fear, in the end we'll see that it was worth it when he returns to wipe away our tears. On that day we join the resurrection and stand beside the heroes of the faith with one voice a thousand generations sing worthy is the lamb who was slain. There will be a day when all will bow before him. There will be a day when death will be no more. When standing face to face with he who died and rose again. Holy, holy is the Lord. Say that with me. Holy, holy is the Lord. Once more. Holy, holy is the Lord. We're going to be able to say that to him face to face one of these days one of these days and until we face that time until we get to that blessed day clothe yourselves with the wardrobe that God has provided live every day for his glory you know God is with us I'll throw in another song you know for king and country God is with us amen he never leaves us nor forsakes us. He empowers us to wear the right kind of clothing so that we can win the battle. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for providing the ultimate wardrobe, Lord. The best looking threads, Father. The, the best way to dress every day, Father. Help us to put on those things. Compassion, humility, love, Lord, help us to test and try the armor of God so, so that we can study and show ourselves approved, Lord. Help us, Lord, to put on the garment of praise. When heaviness comes, and I know it will, Lord, help us to praise you in the midst of it. Father God, thank you for your provision. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.